to Jesus. Tim Keller puts it this way, an author and speaker, Christian. He says, in my case and in yours, this is the greatest truth that ever was. This is saying that the essence of being a Christ follower is not that I'm emulating Christ, though that's important, not that I'm listening to Christ or that I'm obeying Christ or that I'm admiring Christ or even that I'm loving Christ, even though all those things are important. They are not the main thing. Rather, the essence is that I'm in Christ. My life is in Christ. So let's unpack that just in a couple of uh, of ways. There's loads of different facets and avenues you could d- go down with, with our union with Christ. It's amazing, like a diamond with many different facets. We'll just look at a couple that are in our uh, passage today. The first one is that we died with Christ. It's there in verse 20. Since you died with Christ to the element, elemental spiritual forces of this world. So picture for me Jesus dying on the cross. If you've put your faith in Jesus, you died with him there on the cross as well. It wasn't just, it's not just us looking on, although we obviously can do that. We can look on at Jesus dying on the cross for our sins. But actually, we were there on the cross dying with him. When he was upon the cross, all the sin of the world had a claim on his life. As I said earlier, in Romans it says the wages of sin is death. Jesus was taking all of the sin and he got the wages for that, which was death. He died. So sin had a claim upon his life. And it was meted out in death. But sin no longer has any claim upon Jesus. Because Jesus has paid the punishment. He's taken the punishment for sin. So there's no more punishment left. Do you see? Sin has no claim upon him. And therefore, it has no claim upon us. We died with Christ. He paid the price. Though we may be tempted to sin, sin no longer is our rightful master. I love that picture, that just that sense of um, the devil, Satan, being a master. And the reason I love that is because it's just a visual representation of how Satan likes to think he, of who he likes to think he is as the master over our lives. So he comes calling the shots. Comes saying, you have to do this, or you are this, or you're not that. He comes calling the shots. But we died to sin. He's no longer our master at all. In 1865, Slavery in America was made illegal, completely illegal. It was ratified at the end, towards the end of 1865. It actually took a number of years for slaves, especially in the South, far South, to realize that they were free, 
that they could actually just leave their masters. They could walk off. Their masters might come shouting, saying, you've got to come back. I'm your master. I'm your owner. You're my slave. But they could walk away. The master had no power over them. If they stood in the reality of who they were, legally, they could walk away. And the, le- the legal reality of who we are in Christ is that we died to sin. We've died to the old master. He's got no claim upon our lives. He can come shouting, and at times his voice might be really loud in our heads. But we can say no to him. He's not our master anymore. We're not captive to sin. We're captive to Jesus Christ. He's our master. We can say yes to him. In his strength, by his grace, we can live in the good of that reality. So next time, next time you're feeling angry, you're feeling annoyed, you're feeling frustrated with someone, with the kids, with a spouse, with someone at work, feelings that maybe seem to surface all too easily, you can tell yourself, no, I've died to this. This is not who I am. I don't have to give in to this. I don't have to live from this place. The members of my body have a new owner. Next time you're feeling tempted towards sexual sin, tell yourself, no, I've died to this. Jesus bought me at a price. My members are his. My hands, my body, my eyes, my mind are his. I'm captive to him. Not to the sin that so easily wants to entangle us. I'm captive to Christ. I can say no to this. I can say, God, you've got good purposes for my eyes, for my hands. It's saying no to ungodliness and yes to Jesus. You can do this in a whole host of different areas of your life. Temptations that you feel where you're tempted to go to sin rather than to Jesus. I encourage you in your life groups, explore that. Be open about the things that you just feel like it's hard to say no to. Explore that. You know, those two examples might not be where you're struggling. Walk that out in your life groups with those you trust. Okay, so we were died with Christ. The next, uh, the, or the other reality of being united with Christ that I'm actually taking from verse 1 of chapter 3. Who's preaching next week? Is it you? I, oh, <laughs> hopefully it's Stuart. I mean, he's not here to defend himself. But um, <laughs> um, yeah, is that we were raised with Christ. So there it is. I mean, obviously there were no verses, or not obviously, but there were no verses or chapters when, uh, you know, it was written. These were put in later, so I'm just free reign. Um, so verse 1, chapter 3 says, Since then you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. So we've been raised with Christ. Not only did we die with Christ, but we've been raised with him to new life. His resurrection is our resurrection. 
When Jesus was in the tomb, we were in the tomb. When Jesus rose to new life, we rose with him. When he exited the tomb, we exited with him. When he rose again to, or ascended to the right hand of the Father, we ascended with him. These are lofty truths that I'm just scratching the surface of. Incredible truths. We experience this being raised through, firstly through new birth, as Peter talks about in chapter one of his first letter. But we'll also experience the fullness of this when we are raised again to new life. When Jesus comes on the clouds to judge the living and the dead, we'll be raised, we'll get a new body, we'll see him face to face. We'll be raised to new life, everlasting life, indestructible life, complete immortality, resurrected with Christ. So today, we're sitting here. If you're a follower of Christ, you've been born again. You're not who you were. You are a new creation. But if you're anything like me, I can forget that. When I'm dealing with sin, or just sins in my life, as it is on a daily basis, I can, if, you, if you're like me, you take things into your own hands. You tackle it yourself in your own strength, your own power, your own wisdom. You think, no, I know how to deal with this. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I've got this covered. <laughs> Stupid, isn't it? Um, I've got this covered. Oh, no, I'm not that susceptible. I don't need to tell, the, tell my friend about that. I've got this covered. I could keep this to myself, actually. No, this, this won't get out of hand. Oh, it's just a little bit of sin. Take things into our own hands. Dealing with sin, biblically, Jesus Christ's way is relying less on myself and more on God. Callum, it was so helpful just she sharing that. Just more of God, less of me. We don't just need a new way of doing things. We need to stand in the truth of what Jesus has already done for us. So let me just unpack that new birth just very briefly. Jesus gives us a completely new heart. And by heart, I mean motives, I mean desires. Before we came to Christ, before the new birth, we had desires to do certain things, didn't we? Largely to, to live apart from Christ, to give ourselves to certain things. Jesus has given us a new heart with new desires. We didn't just need a few arteries replaced. We didn't just need a triple heart, triple heart bypass. We needed a completely new heart, completely replacing, and that's what Jesus has done for us. The Jews, they had the Mosaic law that they followed. And we can be tempted to, to think like, do, do I follow the law now? What's my relationship to the law? Oh, I just need a bit more law. Tell me what I can and can't do. We don't follow the Mosaic law, okay? 
how we relate to Christ is that he has put the law of Christ on our hearts. So we relate to Christ. We don't relate to the Mosaic law. We relate to Christ. He's written on our new hearts. So he's given us desires and affections. And if we stimulate that, if we give ourselves to that new heart and to those new affections, if we give ourselves to, to what it says in God's word and we unpack that with wisdom and, and God's revelation, then it, it, it's, that's what it looks like to follow Jesus. He's written the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus on our hearts. It says that in Romans 8. So we don't need more self-resolve. We need more. We need to stand on the truth of what Jesus has already done for us. We died with Christ. We've been raised to new life. We ascended with Christ. He's given us his spirit to empower us to follow Jesus. His spirit is a seal upon our life to ensure that we walk with Jesus all the way to the end. He's done everything required in the new birth, to give us what we need to follow him. So it's not a case of trying harder. It's not a case of more laws and more rules, thinking that a relationship with Jesus can be reduced just to a set of laws. It's nothing like that. It's putting our feet firmly on the rock of Jesus Christ, building on the foundation of Jesus and letting go of everything else, letting go of self-resolve, letting go of trying to control life ourselves, is saying yes to Jesus. Let me give a final just metaphor to uh, help us maybe understand what it looks like to apply uh, this truth in our lives, because that's what we need to do on a day-to-day -day basis. It's not going to be enough just to hear these truths, we're going to actually have to put it into practice in our day-to-day -day lives. That's where the rubber hits the road. That's where it's tough. That's where the temptations come in. That's where we need one another. But we do need to remind and constantly reaffirm who we are in Christ. In that verse, start chapter 3, it says, Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. We're to set our hearts on things above. And I just came across this week, um, it's from Tim Keller as well, but just this illustration around Pilates. So I don't know how many of you do Pilates. Um, but in Pilates, you've got a core, and everything else should really center around the core. So the muscles uh, that you use, often we can, uh, if our core is, is weak. You want a demonstration? I'll do a downward dog. I'll get, Charles Pose is my favorite. Like, so, um, yeah, so what we can, <laughs> uh, anyway, <laughs> I knew this was not going to go well. Um, so Pilates, core, okay, let's get back to it. If our core is weak, we can end up just, just basically moving and holding ourselves in ways that we're just not designed to. So, but if our core is strong, our whole body can take a good posture and we can support ourselves really well. And it, the deal with Pilates, as with look, any strengthening exercises, um, is that you need to do them regularly. You've got, to, you've got to constantly be 
doing Pilates. You know, day after day, if you want to strengthen your core, you've got to do it again and again. Thinking of a physio, you know, you're regularly just telling people to do their exercise, aren't you? Exactly, brilliant. You've got to do them again and again. If you go back to the physio and tell them you've not done your exercises, that's just like you're for the chopper, basically. You've, you've got to do your exercises to strengthen your muscles, to strengthen your core. It's a repetitive deal. We need to do the same with our union with Christ. We need to remind ourselves on a daily basis and not neglect doing so. You know, we need to daily remind ourselves train ourselves. And the simplest way we can do that is to take simple scriptures and remind ourselves of them again and again and again. Sometimes we can think, oh, I need to get through the Bible. I need to read the Bible again and again. And we can think in our times with Jesus, I need to get through this passage. Sometimes it's helpful, obviously, to read longer passages. But often with applying scripture, we need to get some simple verses and apply them again and again and again. God's word is powerful. So powerful. That's what Paul encourages us to do. This is what has the power to restrain sensual indulgence. It's our union with Christ. That we've died to him, died to sin, been raised with Christ. We're seated with him now. That's who we are. We can live in the good of that. It's true. Just want to just bring a, felt just to bring a question sort of at the end, just this question of are you in Christ? And it's not a question of, for, you know, for any of us to doubt whether we're in Christ if we've started following Jesus, but it says in 1 John, Chapter 1, verse 12. To all who did receive him. I love the newborn cry. It's just, it's uh, so quiet compared to a real cry. Um, <laughs> um, 1 John, chapter 1, verse 12. To all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Have you received him? Have you believed him? To all of us who have done that, we have become children of God. That's who we are. We're his children. We can come to him. We can come to him and we can say, sorry, Jesus, for not living in that place. For not trusting that, yeah, I'm dead to that. I'm alive with you. And we can know that the Father will embrace us. We can know like the prodigal son's father. It will come running to us. Say, come on in. Yeah, you're my child, of course. Welcome. I've given you my spirit. Walk with me. Let's stand. Ed Karras, if you can come up. Uh, wondering whether to put you uh, on the spot or not. <laughs> or just suggest a song.
No, I'm not going to call you out. <laughs> I was just thinking, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ and his righteousness. I don't know. If, oh, yes, that's what it's been redone into, yeah. Um, yes. Can we do that? Is that all right? Let, let's take some time now just to, to reorient to reorient ourselves around Jesus. That's what we need to do. That's what we need to do on a daily basis. Reorient ourselves on Jesus Christ. Our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ. His blood, his righteousness. He gives it to us. We stand today as recipients of grace, of life, of forgiveness of hope of a better future. Our hope is in him. Let's sing that. Let's respond. Give your cares, your worries, your hearts to Jesus. Talk to him about what you've heard, how you've taken it, how you uh, might feel like, oh, I just, I'm struggling. Give it to him. He loves you, wants to hear your voice. Thanks for that, that Paul. Um, I, used, I used to think that holiness was about avoiding bad things. And the more that I've sort of gone on with, with, with God, I've realized that holiness is, is much more about pursuing something that's much better. Um, I used to sort of do the things that, 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 that Paul was saying, just like trying to really hard to, to be better, to, to not sin, to not look at porn or not, you know, not be short-tempered or whatever, and it, it, it never bore much fruit. Um, but the more I've got to know Jesus and the closer I've become to him through years of just spending time with him and being changed by him the more I've realized that he's so good he's so beautiful he's so worthy and precious of every part of my heart that I just want him and that's not to say that I'd now never sin because obviously I still do um, but it's so much easier than it used to be to to not sin because I'm not trying to avoid something bad. I just want something that's or someone who who is so much better. And I, I just I just wanted to, um, to 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 pray for us. Um, there's some some lovely verses in Ephesians chapter one where the Apostle Paul has just talked about all these amazing spiritual blessings that we've already got um, in, in, in Jesus. You know, he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ. He's made us sons and daughters. It was just his good pleasure. It just pleased him to do it. All these beautiful truths 
You know, he's, he's, we've died in him, as Paul was saying, we've died to him. We're dead to sin, we're alive to Christ. All these great truths. But then the Apostle Paul goes on to say, I keep praying for you. And this is what he keeps praying for them. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him more. And I just want to pray that for us so that we can pursue something better than sin. So, Father God, thank you that you have caused us to die to sin. Thank you that you have made us alive in you, in your precious Son. Thank you that we're risen with him, filled with your Holy Spirit, empowered for a better life. And Lord, would you give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation now. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, fill us. And fill us with the knowledge of you. That we may know you more. That the eyes of our hearts may be opened. To see your beauty, your goodness. Goodness doesn't even begin to cover how great you are. Give, give us a, a taste. Help us to taste and see more and more your goodness. Help us to be captured wholeheartedly into the beautiful pursuit of you. Lord, thank you. In that we are satisfied and we are changed. We give ourselves to you. Help us to know you more. Be blessed, church, to know him more and pursue something better. In Jesus' name.